Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Friday, April 30th, 2021, episode number 183. Boom! Dude, I don't know what to say anymore. What, what, what am I supposed to say? We've only been doing That's this for lot like seven or eight episodes now, and you're already out of words. <sighs> Boom! No, because I've, I've said it so many times, like... Boom. Well, before we start doing it live. Boom. <laughs> Boom, there goes the dynamite. Boom, there Boom there's the dynamite. The... I don't know. <laughs> Boom, there goes the dynamite. <laughs> that word. Hey, dude, what's going on? Hey, Carter. Not much. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm exhausted. Um, it's been a crazy well, week. You know, you know, when it gets dark and after you eat and after you watch TV for a little while, you're supposed to go in there and lay your head down on a pillow in a bed and you're supposed to go to sleep. Nah. And for you know six eight i like 10 hours nah. and then get up and start the day over again no when most people Dude. sleep i'm usually recording or editing podcasts that's <laughs> that's what i do instead well, of sleep wh- whose fault is that this guy my mine exactly mine? exactly my fault. well I, exactly. I just i just sign up for a lot of shit that uh i end up having to do um but i love it all okay. i don't don't regret it all right uh, and I always yeah. say, plenty of time to sleep and I'm dead, so I'm good. I'll keep this going. There's lots okay. of stories to tell, lots of cool stuff to make, and I'm going to keep doing it. So before I forget, since it's not in our notes today, you know, you made a mistake last week. I'm going to point that out because it only happens every once in a while. <laughs> you forgot to send out the podcast to our patrons mm-hmm. on Thursday. Yep. So then you put out a questionnaire to our patrons, Yes. and we had several different answers and... What was the winning answer? It was unanimous. Unanimous decision. Everybody wants me, apparently, to throw a leg over a motorcycle and learn and take his life school at Moto Anatomy. So that one out, hands down. I think only one other thing got like one or two. Oh, one or two people said no punishment because watching him suffer was enough, which I appreciate who voted for that. Good. Good. But it it looks like I've already talked to Johnny. It's going to have to be in the fall just because my summer's insane with Promoto and and everything else because that's what's going to happen you're, you're going to fall <laughs> i couldn't resist <laughs> i love it oh cody cody i'm going to be looking for you buddy because he threw in the comments that he's going to go with me so are you going with okay. me was that was that bullshit are you in like because i'm going do it cody and i told i told right. uh i told johnny i was like i might be bringing a few patrons with me so if anybody on the patreon group that wants to go with me let me know. I'm sure we can get some crazy, awesome rate. Hook it up. Right. We'll see. Uh, but right. uh, but yeah, I'm going to do so, it in but, this, but, this but, fall. But first, but first. you're going to come to the Oklahoma City Mile. Yes. And Fast Eddie yes. is going to put you on a motorcycle. <sighs> do you know right? what motorcycle he's going to put me on? No, we'll find something. Between us dublers in Oklahoma, I know there it. are plenty of motorcycles laying around. Oh, man. Uh, can I just do a boonie bike or something first? Or does that, that's not the same. Nope. As long as as long as you got a clutch and you have to shift gears, that's what he wants you to learn first. Okay. And he'll 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 teach you just right. And he's got a big swimming pool in the backyard you can you know crash into. I think that'd be uh, awesome. I love it. Well, that'll be the story, right? Because everybody's everybody's got their first uh, ride in a motorcycle. You got to crash into something. Mm-hmm. So why not the pool? Um, right. Exactly. Trish and uh, and Tim are saying PW fifty. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, what's the weight limit on those things? But. Uh... <laughs> A little bit too small for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would feel most comfortable on a PW50, I can tell you that much. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, I got to figure out how to get my pro motocross event covered because uh, I think there's a there's one that weekend too. So that's my f- top priority is cover that first so I can learn from Fast Eddie. 
and then we'll go to Moto Anatomy. So um, look at, right. looking forward to it. So there is a lot of stuff we need to talk about a lot since we're on here. Uh, we had another patron question. Do you have that pulled up or you want to get back to that? No, I can uh, I can definitely pull that up. It's from uh, Ron Jackson, uh, same dude who asked last week. He's I guess he's got a question every week, which we absolutely love. Send all the questions. We'll we'll hammer them out every week. All right. So as soon as we answered last week's question, he, he sent us this one. Thanks for the answer about the Indians and the Harleys. You're welcome. The question I have this week is I've been watching racing since the 40s and I'm over 80 years old. Ron, commend you. It's awesome. Good stuff. That's like double me. Um, when, <laughs> when they raced at Springfield, they called it dirt track racing. Now it's called flat track racing. When did that change and who changed it? I want to know that too. Do you know, Scotty? I, I, I would like to know that as well. I, I think I, we're probably going to have to reach out to Burt Sumner or something. Okay. Um, dirt track, flat track, to me, it's the same thing. I think dirt track, a lot of people were relating that more to car racing. Yep. Sprint cars in general, modifieds, late models, and stuff like that. So I think they switched it over to flat track. American flat track kind of branded it that way. Yeah. And that's what they're going with. I so gotcha. flat track. I don't know. It, that's a that's a tricky one. Yeah. I, I mean, dirt track, flat track. I think same thing. You hear the old school peeps always calling it dirt track. New school is kind of as flat track. So um, I don't. Yeah. I, I've. It's always been flat track since I've been involved. But that's kind of the whole AFT area thing. So I don't know when exactly right. that could have happened. Right. Well before my time, and I'm sure it did. And that's a one of those debate things right like uh it's like what's the other one um pits or the paddock right that whole deal i, I don't agree with that one at all <laughs> if you want if you want if you want me to get on my soapbox uh, get on your soapbox go for it you want pat you so want the pits. pits it's the pits the pits are in the dirt a paddock is for road racing okay i'm gonna leave it at that all, all right. flat track is dirt track but not all dirt track is flat track mm. that's deep cynthia you're absolutely deep right. thoughts with cynthia I love it. No, like she's it. absolutely right. I mean, all mm -hmm. flat tracks, dirt track. Well, not this weekend. Yeah, this weekend is more pavement track. <laughs> but then you have some people wondering, hey, is that flat track? It is. It is flat track because it's the American it's Flat very Track different. Series doing it. So whether you and believe it is or not, the flat track series is racing on, on pavement. On pavement. Which so <laughs> and dirt. Track. Yeah. I don't know. Man, there's we're been getting all kinds of off subject today. No shit. There's, there, a lot of people are talking about the track <laughs> this weekend, but and we've talked about it. Do you know if it's changing from the initial layout, or is there? have you had any I conversations? So. Okay. I think it's all the same. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of dirt out there, but you got to remember, Supercross was there for a while. After yep. Supercross, last weekend, Monster Jam was there. So there is a lot of extra dirt there right now, and they are moving the dirt around to set up the TT course right now as we speak. Yeah, good stuff. Kurt Jones weighing in. The Amateur Nationals are the dirt track championships. He's not wrong there, right? So, Yep, dirt track grand championships. Yep, yep, yep. good stuff. So what else we got to get into? What else we got on the list for this week? A lot of people have been practicing on pavement. I saw, especially down there at Pensacola at mm. the what Five Flag Speedway. It looked yep. like the, you know the the Robbie Bobby crew mm -hmm. uh, were all down there getting some pavement in. I've seen other people you know practicing in parking lots. We've seen Corey Texter do this before, like before some indoors. He'd go set up some tires. Yep. But they're taking their big bikes out there now too. So I think these, I think the riders are taking it more serious with all that pavement. They've got to figure out the braking. You know they. You know, are you going to use the, the front brake 90%? Are you going to use it 80%, especially around the front straightaway and ducking into that first corner? That's going to be the braking into that co first corner. That is going to be the passing spot. You don't think they're going to do a lot of passing on the pavement or no? 
and no, I think it's going to be under braking. I think at the end of the straightaways, I mean, yeah, getting up through the gearbox, if somebody misses a gear, there might be some passes. Uh, but I think it's going to be more in the braking zones, uh, especially going into turn one off the pavement into the dirt. Yeah. Who's who's using that front brake? You know, the right fingers uh, on your right hand. I mean, that's that's what whoever's good at that, I think is going to win the race. Yeah. Not like the JD beaches of the world. Even Dallas Daniels has got some skills on that. So um, another big news uh, this week, Dallas Daniels, speaking of that. Um, heading to the yep. uh, production twins for this event and a couple other races. Uh, have they defined those races he's racing or no? Not yet. This yeah. one's for sure, and I think it's a good move to get him some seat time. Yeah. Uh, he he is eligible because he's the singles champion from last year, even though he's not 18 years of age. That's how it kind of works out. So uh, he, you know what? He could he could very well win it too. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of guys out there in the production twins class that like the front brake. Johnny Lewis should do really well depending on how the Royal infield does, you know, handling the jumps, handling the pressure going on the dirt, off the dirt, on the pavement. Um, you got Chad Coase. Uh, you might not know this, but Chad Coase was a supermoto rider before uh, and during his early days of uh, as a pro I didn't coming into flat track. So he, he likes pavement. He should do really well in that production twins class. Um, I'm not sure who else is going to go good in that class. Um, it's going to be interesting. We'll have to wait and see. We haven't seen that Royal Enfield on a TT yet, have we? Because they didn't run one last year. No. Yeah. Correct. There's no TTs last year. That's right. Hmm, I didn't think about that. So, we'll, so that'll we'll, be interesting to see, we'll see how, how, how that bike runs. And, and that, that's a very, very, very long front straightaway. So you're going to have to gear for that, but you also have to be able to gear to come off those tight corners. So yeah. it's it's going to put a strain on the motorcycle for sure. Not just the Royal Enfield, but all the motorcycles. Yeah. Um. Another big announcement this week is the uh, Turner Racing. Uh, they got a team sponsor. Progressive Insurance. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking off the title sponsor of the series. Yep. Uh, good for them. Uh, you know, I think I think part of it is because Turner Racing, it's a big team. It, it unfolds. It looks nice when it's set up in the pits. They've got three awesome riders that are good in front of a camera. I think it's good for Progressive to team up with a team like that. Absolutely. Um more sponsorship in the in the series no matter what level no matter what team is always good news um and another cool thing about turner racing i heard that bill warner's coming down to help them i think it's just for atlanta but he's going to be in atlanta this weekend helping turner racing so i think he'll be like a consultant mm -hmm. possibly a mechanic you know he's very sharp uh i think it's 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 a good move i mm -hmm. mean why not you know the guy's available the guy's a wealth of knowledge he can always bring something absolutely and and i mean he's had a lot of different roles with a lot of different OEMs. I mean, back in the, obviously everybody knows him from the Harley days, but what he did with Kawasaki in developing that bike uh, was awesome. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure he'll bring some uh, some of that knowledge to the Honda team and uh, give him a little uh, little Werner nuggets uh, all weekend. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, that's the reason. I mean, it would be cool to go there and meet him in person and pick his brain. Uh, I think I met him once in person, but it was just like, hey, I'm Chris Carter, and he had no idea who the hell I was. Then, so right uh, but now we've had him on the podcast he actually knows who i am and uh i would like and, to and he likes our podcast he does like our podcast he uh, he also often writes us and tells us that you know like the questions that we ask the insight that we give it's not just us talking to hear ourselves talk we actually care about the guests which is a breath <laughs> of fresh air so yeah what else 
Well, on a sad note, Dick Mann passed away earlier in the week. For those of you who don't know, Dick was a two-time Grand National Champion 1963 and 1971. 24 Grand National victories, and if I'm not mistaken, was one of the first, if not the first ever, to complete the flat track. Actually, the Grand Slam, not even flat track, but he had one road, you know, he had a road race, short track, TT, half mile, and mile. 24 total Grand National victories. And... Um, they're saying he was one of the best way back then. I obviously I don't remember watching him race. He he uh, you know I I just don't remember seeing him race at all. I remember seeing him in movies on any Sunday and stuff like that. But uh, uh, we're gonna miss him for sure. Nickname Bugsy. See, I never I hadn't heard that. Um, that's good stuff. Um, and yeah, I have no I really unfortunately don't have a ton of context for who he is or, or his accomplishments or anything. But you know, just looking back this past week. Uh, of the posts that everybody made in, in memory of him. I'll just give you a sense for, for the kind of human he was and uh, kind yep. of a- athlete he was, uh, throwing a leg over a motorcycle as well. Uh, a ton of respect uh, throughout the community and a lot of really cool uh, in-memory posts uh, throughout the week. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's never uh, never something we love talking about, but we gotta got to shout out the legends like that. So. There you go. Absolutely. Also coming up is the one moto show. It's this weekend. Unfortunately, uh, there's, I, I'm not going to make it. You went there. That was one of your first motorcycle events you went to, mm-hmm. uh, but that's this weekend. Hope if anybody's out there in Portland area, go check it out. And, uh, also this weekend is the hot shoe hall of fame opening ceremony at the yeah. opening event. Uh, it's the 50th anniversary of On Any Sunday. They're going to be playing that nonstop. There's an area, there's a room you can go in there and watch that. There's going to be people that are going to be inducted uh, speaking out there. Uh, people from On Any Sunday are going to be at the event. Uh, my, my plaque is up on the wall. Unfortunately, I can't be there, but uh, I'll be in Atlanta. So uh, it's really a bummer that it's the same weekend, but I hope everybody has a great time out there and enjoys the Hot Shoe Hall of Fame. Go take a picture. Go take a selfie with the uh, Scotty Dubler plaque. Send it to Off the Groove, and we'll make sure to give you some love if, you, if you're if you out there this weekend. Um, there you go. Good stuff. Uh, anything else before we get into this week's episode? Well, in, in the notes, you've got prom night and you got Roos Evans. I don't know what that's all about, <laughs> so you have to fill, fill me in. Well, it's a couple of flat trackers, the younger generation, the amateurs. Uh, I saw Aiden, Aiden Brown as well. Uh, dude, did you see Aiden Brown in like a white tux all decked out? Uh-uh, I, missed, oh, I missed it. The drip on this kid was insane. Uh, seriously. Uh, he he was decked out. Uh, Aiden Roos Evans uh, also uh, rocking it for prom night. I saw. I don't know if there's any other flat trackers that were young enough. I'm sure that like there were others that were, but those were the two that I saw. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of cool to see the younger uh flat trackers doing the doing the prom thing it's like i don't know it's been like 20 years since i've even thought about that kind of stuff so um but i don't know just cool to see that kind of life stuff in between uh racing uh seeing them outside the helmet and and living life and doing fun things like that so aside from that i think the only other thing i had on there was uh was mindy venture uh which we won't spend a ton of time about uh but uh been as you know i've been chatting with chris carr on the microphone for the past uh, month and a half um we are starting to roll out those episodes uh i think it was episode eight or nine that we launched first as kind of like a test just to kind of see how that went um if you're hearing about this for the first time feel free to reach out to me and i'll send you the direct link all you patrons uh get get that before uh anybody else so uh let me know uh but yeah uh we put the first episode out there'll be many more coming uh 
it's kind of a different podcast, uh, different from what we're doing here. Completely different. Uh, completely different from what uh, Corey's doing with that other one. I think he's still doing, but I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's Chris Carr. There's right now. There's no interviews. Uh, it's just him and me. He's actually had me as a co-host. Um, so uh, I flattered seven-time champion. He said he wouldn't do it unless I co-host. Um, so we're uh, we're talking all things motorcycles but with a little different twist. He's uh, he's not afraid to challenge AFT or any other series uh, with how they're operating. So a little bit more uh, flexibility to talk about those things. Uh, so I think it's it could be good. I don't know. I don't know what how what you want to say about that or how you feel about that. I'll but. just, I'll, I'll say Car on Two Wheels yes. is the name of it. Yes. Check it out. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had started the first one. I got 11 minutes in and something else came up. I don't know what happened and I just haven't gone back to finish it yet. So, uh, it's good stuff. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. He's, All right. uh, he's okay. He, he's outside of the, uh, of the circle so he can talk about things that most people can't. And, uh, I am too. So I think it, it's a, there's a little bit of freedom there to have those conversations. Uh, and I think, uh, people are really going to enjoy some of the stuff that we talk about. So check cool. it out um, well yeah. i think i think it's time to get into this week's podcast which you are now saying it is your favorite podcast it is my favorite uh, podcast every single one is my favorite podcast but this one is extra special i'm telling you because we usually talk to motorcycle riders we talk to people that are, have spent their lives riding motorcycles racing motorcycles building bikes i can't relate to that because i've never ridden a motorcycle uh, I've never built a bike yet. yet, yet, yet. I still love it. And I still say the one like Graham and your, and your dad's are my favorite, like just because of probably the tie to you. But this one is extra special to me because I, I can relate to these two. I can relate to why they're doing what they've, why they did what they did throughout their entire career and hearing them talk about it just I don't know. It, it, it inspired me and I'm already like, I don't need to be inspired in the flat track world, but it re-energized me. And I don't know, man, it, it was a really good conversation. Uh, we've been wanting to have these two on for as long as we've been doing this. I think year one, we've been, we were reaching out trying to, trying to secure them just because they're so important in the flat track community. And, uh, we got them this week. And, and well, to, to be fair, They've always kind of pushed us off a little bit because they've been so busy. Yeah. And they they go to more races than anybody I know. I yeah. think they've been to over 1,300 and yeah. covered 1,300 races. What? Including, I think, uh, well, we'll get into it in the, in the podcast, how many in a consecutive races they've been to in a row. So uh, I think we just need to get into it. It's Dave and Kathy Honig, Flat Track Photos. And uh, if you don't know who they are, you're about to find out. If you don't know who they are, why the hell are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> I'm just saying. If you don't know who they are, you need to buy a photo from them, and then you'll know. Yes. Let's do it. Dave and Kathy Honig, how are you guys doing? We're doing well, Scott. Very well. What what have you guys been doing? I, I don't think I don't think I've seen you enough lately. What have you guys been up to? Virtually nothing. We, <laughs> we really haven't done much. 
we're doing a lot of things that we, over the years, we couldn't do because we neglected things like yard work and taking care of getting rid of old things that we don't need to hang on to and things like that. Just doing a lot of normal things that we kind of let slide. Like family stuff and stuff around the house and honeydew stuff? Definitely a lot of that. <laughs> I got you. So uh, Flat Track Photo has been around for a long, long time, but I want to get to know you two a little bit more, and then we'll talk more about Flat Track Photos. So, uh, Kathy, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Actually, I am from Quincy, Illinois. I grew up here, uh, was gone for a couple of years, but came back and pretty much been in Quincy my entire life. And Dave, where have you been? <laughs> I was born in Fort Madison, Iowa, and raised in the United States. Yeah. All over the country. We, my dad was an iron worker before, and uh, we just traveled all over the country for years before I finally settled down here in 1978, I guess. You settled in Quincy, Illinois in 78? Yeah. Or Quincy, is it Quincy, Missouri, right? No, it's Illinois. We're uh, just right, we're on the Mississippi River. On the other side of the Mississippi River is Missouri. Okay, so I got you. Kathy, how did you two meet? <laughs> We actually met in a bar. Uh, a good friend of mine was a bartender, and I was dating him at at the time. And uh, David was uh, going through his divorce, and he popped in one night and was just very, very quiet. And I asked my friend, I said, who is that? <laughs> and, he, and he introduced us, and that's the rest is history. <laughs> wow. So... Dave, did did you notice her right away, or did did you take a couple of times going in there to to see Kath? Well, it was a couple of times probably, but uh, pretty quick. All right. So, love at first sight. Did you get married right away? Did you guys date for a while? No, we dated for a while. Uh, probably a year. Yeah, close to a year. Then got married. We got married in in eighty. Okay. All right. That's crazy. I, I, I guess I didn't know that story. Um, Dave, Dave, how, how did you get into photography? Did you Were you into photography before you met Kathy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I had messed with it a, a little bit. Uh, I was working down in uh, St. Charles, Missouri on a bridge. I was an iron worker for 37 oh, years, God. so you've probably driven across at the I-70 bridge in St. Charles, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And then... At any rate, uh, I was working down there, and that was when Granite City was running every Tuesday night. Okay. And I'd get off work, I'd go home, I'd grab my son, and we'd run to run to Granite City on Tuesday night and watch that. And uh, I didn't shoot any pictures at that time, but I, I did have a camera, and every once in a while I'd go out and shoot. And like a lot of people, uh, uh, some of the half miles, like Jerseyville and some of those tracks down there, that like so many spectators, you just grab a camera and, and start to shoot. And uh, I enjoyed shooting pictures, but I never really thought I'd get serious about it at that time. That okay. was probably 1970. I'm going to say 76. I got you. So all those, it sounds like all those were flat track races, Dave. What was your interest in and why did, why flat track? I just enjoyed flat track. I, I, in the, in the mid sixties, I raced. Uh, I was a novice for three years before I got my points and moved up. But actually, at that time, you, you moved up to it was called amateur class. It was the, the junior class, basically. But uh, 
and I always enjoy flat track more than I, I rode some road race, rode some TTs and stuff. I didn't really care for either one of those all that much, uh, but I loved half miles and short track and it just carried over. Awesome. And, I, 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 I had no idea you raced. I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, we could go so much <laughs> deeper right now. I mean, golly, I just, I guess, you know, I was just going the photography route and, and want to talk about flat track photos, but I didn't know you raced. How how long was your racing career? You said three years as a novice, then you moved to junior. How long how long did you race? I only rode a couple of years as a, as a junior because I didn't I didn't have a twin and I didn't have a seven fifty or a gold star or anything. Oh. All I had uh I rode for a, a Harley shop out of Minneapolis called Egbert Brothers, Harley Davidson, and mm-hmm. they had a a KR that they let me ride in 68, 1968. And then in 1969, I moved to West Virginia to work on a bridge there across the Ohio River, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. I moved moved there with the idea of, of every weekend being able to go ride a half mile in Ohio. And uh, the job I was on, they had all kinds of delays and they were running behind. So they started working uh, seven days a week from daylight to dark. And that didn't mm. leave me any time to, to go racing. So I had a BSA lined up to ride down there. And after two races, they, when they started working all that overtime, it was way too much money to be made working the real job. And, and uh, <laughs> so I gave up the ride. And that was, that was pretty much, I rode some after that, but very little. And That's inc- it just didn't work out with time and money and, equipment and not only that but i was starting to really put on weight uh, and i'd weighed about i'd weighed about 165 pounds when i first turned novice and that was still too heavy but it was as light as i could go and when i started getting a little heavier it, it just what i just i just didn't want to just go ride i wanted to go race and uh, yeah that wasn't working out that's amazing. I, I did not know any of that stuff. I'm so glad to, that I got to find that out right here on, on the podcast off the groove. So now I want to go back to Kathy. Kathy, did you know he was a motorcycle racer when you met him in the bar? Well, uh, it didn't take me long to to find out about the motorcycle stuff because I think the way he impressed me was showing me the dark room and the work he was doing in the dark room. And uh, then uh, the first race he took me to, he said, well, you need to go to a flat track race. And he said, uh, so the first race uh, he took me to was he flew me to the Houston Astrodome. And I I was pretty impressed. And then the next race he took me to was Pekin, Illinois. And I'm like, (laughs) what the heck? (laughs) <laughs> well you gotta average these things out yeah you gotta have the top of the spectrum then you gotta have a local race you gotta you gotta see yeah, both yeah. ends of it right exactly and that's that's no reflection on the peaking uh yeah it was, either it was they a were lot both of fun. fun both fun yeah so so you you you'd already pit, picked up the camera by the time you met dave and then kathy I know you take photos too did you start taking photos right off the start or were you just kind of going along for the ride uh, I don't, I don't really know exactly when I started taking the photos. Um, I did go with him, uh, cause he was married prior to me and he had a son. Um, Lance was probably around 10 at the time and he would come with us. So we'd just kind of hang together. 
uh, and Dave would sell some pictures and we'd kind of walk along and, you know, and help him sell photos. And then I started, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, did I start, he was writing for Cycle News and, um, so that's kind of how I got started in scoring because he would be taking the pictures and doing it all. And I felt, well, I should do something. So I would start, I started scoring the races just to take something off of his hands, you know? And so I would score the race so he could write the story for cycle news. So he would remember exactly what happened. So it was just kind of my way of helping. And, um, and then I was, I was happened to be scoring at, um, I happen to be scoring a race uh, at Daytona, I guess. And Freddie, Freddie Ephraim, do you know him? He was a referee back uh, back in the day. Anyway, I was standing way back scoring the races, and he was like, uh, "We really need you to help score the national." And mm-hmm. uh, um, so I kind of very, very carefully <laughs> came up to the starting line. I was a little, little intimidated, you know, to do my first first thing uh at grand national like that but um yeah it's i don't remember uh, i would uh i don't remember when i actually picked up a camera and started helping but we both we did we both did it together for quite a while mm-hmm. yeah so i i just got the bug he had he had an extra camera and there again you know he's busy you know how he is he's busy the whole day so it was like well i need something to do so I'll take a camera and see if I can shoot, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember, you you know, when I was racing, I remember you guys walking around, and I think I think you'd drag a, a cart behind you that had, like, all kinds of photos. And, and we, you know, as, as us racers, we couldn't wait until you made it to our pit area just to see if you had any chance, had a picture of me that I could buy from you. And I just, I just, it's such a great memory just seeing you, you two walk up. Yeah, we would do that. Uh, you know, we would print eight by tens and, you know, put them in a book and then walk around. And, and we did that for quite a while, quite a long time until David started going to like, he would uh, pull it around and then stop and talk to Ken Coolbeth senior. And I couldn't get him out of Ken's pit. <laughs> and that was the end. <laughs> then somebody like you might be sitting there wondering if we're going to come, but you know, they're bullshitting with Ken Kuba. You know? Yep. So, so I'm, I'm going to stay, stay talking to Kathy here because uh, on your website, flattrackphotos.com, it says you work for uh, what is now AFT, but it was AMA pro racing uh, started then in 1986, just doing signups and scoring. Um, you kind of mentioned that story, but was that the one down at Daytona? Is that when they officially hired you, or is it like the next year? And, and how did all that come about that you were going to do that every round? Well, I actually, I think I started scoring local but in Illinois. Uh, a lot of Henry. Uh, I don't remember Granny and her crew. Right. Uh, yeah, Robinson. Uh, anyway, uh uh, there was a, a gal named Marsha, and she really taught me a lot about scoring. And uh, so that's how I got my start. But um, I, when I started working for um, the uh, at the nationals at the national level, of course I worked for Freddie, but uh, in Daytona. But then um, there would be times when I guess uh, Duke Olegas realized that I was a scorer. 
And Dave and I would be walking around uh, taking photos and stuff. And right before, was it right before the main events or mm-hmm. no, just right? Oh, right before the heat. I, the, somebody, the announcer would say over the loudspeaker, uh, Kathy Honig, could you come to the uh, trailer? Uh, <laughs> we need you to score. <laughs> and and so it was kind of a hit and miss, just whenever they need. But it didn't take long, you know. It's you know it's a family. Once you become, you you know, it, it, I, I must have been good at what I did because you know once they they see that you can do it, and I think as much as anything, we were reliable. We were, if we said we were going to do something, we did it. We, you know, um, and it was something I took very seriously. I understood that it was these guys' livelihood, and mm-hmm. uh, I took it very seriously, <laughs> you know. So uh, it was, uh, it was, it was evolved, you know, over the years. And, and then they realized that we were going to quite a few, actually, uh, I, at the beginning, well, it's a long, you know, it's a long history. <laughs> Sorry to have a long, a long answer. No, but, that that's um, all right. Yeah, the uh, it it started slow and then kind of got. I definitely worked all the non-nationals, the like uh, Dick Dick Andre and Sharon Andre. We worked with mm-hmm. them, and we did all of the. What did we call it? What were the 600 nationals? 600 nationals. So I, I worked all of them. And then uh, I did, when I started working, when the when the computers came along, I worked, I was a computer person at the very beginning for, I did the East Coast and Terry Kerr did the West Coast nationals. Uh, we kind of split them up between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after a while, I think her, she had help issues and uh, they asked me if I could do all of the nationals and I said you can pay me enough to get me there you know <laughs> I'll go <laughs> and so uh, the rest is history we have didn't didn't miss one for quite a while well I've got to stay I gotta keep talking to Kathy right now sorry Dave I know you're you got a lot to talk about too but there's so many questions with Kathy so so learning how to score I, I I'm privileged enough to do some non AFT races where the computers aren't there but uh, scoring is it's not just writing down numbers you got to know what's going on you got to try to follow the leader you got to keep track of the, the lappers and stuff like that what is something you know, when you're learning how to keep score, what was the hardest thing for you to learn, Kathy? I tell you, the best uh, advice came from Dave, and uh, as I as I was learning to do it, uh, he told me as, as, that the way to do it is when they're all coming across the line, as as like in Springfield, when there be three or four come across the line together, uh, take a picture in your mind. It was just like taking a photo. Mm-hmm. I would take that photo and then just keep writing, you know. And uh, that's really what I did. Like I said, I le- I was fortunate enough to learn uh, the scoring part and then uh, help with the clerking. And then when it came time for the for the computer, when the computers came along, I was very interested in the computer and helped them uh, at the office develop. You know the the very beginning programs of what the pro what the computer needed to do 
and who like it needed to help the uh, announcer. And uh, I learned to when we first did when I first did uh, races in in Daytona, it was all done by hand. There were no computers, so and there were a ton of riders there. But for for like for the heat races after after qualifying everything, all the scores would each grab. They'd write down the numbers for the uh, for the uh, heat lineups. Each one of us would grab a sheet, and we'd have to write down the 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 number of the rider, the name of the rider, the hometown of the rider, the bike brand. You know, and we each had to write that out real fast and get them to the announcer. So. That's uh, that's how I learned the importance of Scotty Dubler, you know. <laughs> that uh, he was a very important person. That he needed this information. That's that's just amazing stuff. I you know I'm spoiled now because now it comes right off a printer right in front of my microphone. I don't have to get up and do nothing. You know, every once in a while they might have to make an edit or something like that. But, you know, I'm spoiled rotten now because I don't have to have that stuff and have to try to find you guys. Um, It's incredible. I can't imagine, you know, trying to do all that stuff by hand. I mean, some of the amateur stuff I do is still that way. But it's what, what we have now is because of, of the hard work that you put in and your knowledge to get to where we are now. I mean, I know there's other people involved, but I just want to say oh, thank yeah. you very much. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, uh, when our daughter was young, she started helping us, Danielle, when she was seven, and she was our runner. We needed a runner. <laughs> we needed, mm-hmm. we'd write this stuff as fast as we could, and then we'd have a runner run it to the announcer's booth and a runner run it to the uh, you know, when we after we get done scoring a sheet, we'd run have the runner run it to the clerk, you know, wherever they might be. But uh, yeah, it saved a lot of uh, the. It's it's so much easier nowadays, you know. You don't need me anymore. <laughs> I, I I would love to have you sitting beside me and having you help me out. I would love you're you're welcome anytime. So uh, I I definitely still need you, Kathy. Uh, let's let's shift gears back back over to Dave. So now Kathy's involved in all kinds of stuff. Dave, that gave you more time to take more photos. Um, I remember waiting at, at at my house for the cycle news to arrive because back then we didn't have internet we couldn't figure out what was going on we may have heard from you know local pros who won what race and and the finishing order but i wanted to read the story i wanted to see the pictures that you always had in cycle news um, most of those were black and white back then so when when did cycle news approach you or did you approach cycle news and how did that get started well i had it, it goes back to that to Granite City in '76 or whenever I was there. There we were going to the race every night or every Tuesday night, and uh, there was nobody covering the races for cycle news. And in fact, there was very few. There was very little coverage of anything going on in Illinois. There was quite a few pro races, but there wasn't any coverage. And and I felt that if if they could get the word out after the race of what had happened that it could create interest so people would come to the next race to the next week or or whatever so actually with granite city i just started sending in the results uh, and generally there were at granite city that was a combined program it was novice junior expert so it was just just the results from one little race would send that to them and, and they started printing that and then i thought well maybe i could just write a little story write a few paragraphs not really a, a an English major by any means, and uh, 
but I, I did write, write some things and they started printing that. So a few of the other little races we went to like Jerseyville or white city or a couple of the other ones, uh, I was, I wrote some stuff and sent that in and they, they printed it. And that went on for um, maybe a year and a half. And right after I moved up here to Quincy, uh, Gary Van Voris, who was a, uh, assistant editor at, at uh, Cycle News East, called and, and asked me if I would be interested in doing the, uh, the IMDA series, which was about a, a 14 or 15 race series in, in Illinois. And it was called the Vetter Cup, I think, at the time. It, it went through several different names, whoever was sponsoring it at the time. But it was, it was the IMDA series of races going on. And at that time, Springfield, they still weren't allowed back in Springfield. So this series of races went on all over the state, and they asked me if I'd be interested in, in doing it, and I said, sure. And that was the first, when I did that, was the first time I actually got press passes and photo pass and all that to go out and actually cover it like a, a real journalist. And uh, that was really how that, that all started. And, and I was fortunate in, in the case there that the IMDA bought advertising in Cycle News so cycle news used bigger stories because mm-hmm. it, you know because of the money, and like most of the local events we covered all went into the back of the back of the paper, which was the, the small print, and you got paid by the column inch, so <laughs> you got paid less for the, the. But the IMDA stories they moved up into the front half and the larger print, and I made more money that way, so that worked out good and. But that's that's how the, all that started. But back then, to shoot and film for a local event, I would process everything myself. Come home, process it myself, uh, type up a story. Well, write a story, and Kathy would type it, and and then and proof it, okay. and then uh, we'd just mail it in. And it was about a week delay in being in the paper. Then when we started doing Grand Nationals. They needed it right away because they wanted the story on. They, it had to be it had to be in their hands uh, Monday morning. So that changed everything. Uh, uh, we put the film on it. Then for that, we put the film on an airplane and and overnight it out there, and then they did all the processing of the of that film. So then I ended up having to shoot two cameras and that type of thing. But it it, it when we went digital, when things went digital, and the computers came along. It, it changed everything. That that was actually leading up to my next question. Uh, biggest change in your in your business in your world, I guess, had to have been 2002 when everything switched over to digital. Uh, how hard was it for you to to learn the new digital wor- world and make that transition? Dave, you can go first, and then I want to hear Kathy's side of things too, because because digital was involved also in in other things that she was doing. Right. The uh, I drug my feet on switching to digital because I didn't, I didn't ever see a digital camera that I really cared that much for that there, most of the time there was a delay in the, you know, when you hit the, the uh, trigger on it, it would, it was, there was a delay and, you know, in, in my business, uh, you couldn't have that. So I drug my feet on changing and actually uh, AMA kind of forced me into going digital because uh, they were starting a website. Progressive was the title sponsor then, and they were starting a website, and they wanted some digital pictures, and they but they wanted me to work for them. 
but they needed digital pictures. And uh, I, I told them I, you know, my problem with the cameras. And they said, well, they, I can't, uh, I'm terrible. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was somebody that was shooting motocross for him that was shooting with a, a Nikon D1. And they convinced me to talk to him. And I did. And he said that the, the and I was shooting Nikon film cameras. And but the Nikon D1, all the lenses and everything off the the film cameras would all work at that time. So it wasn't. It was a, it was a pretty good expense to make the change, but it wasn't a total expense because I could still use the lenses and all that. Then at, after that, I shot the first year, 2001, half and half. I, I shot with film, and did all the processing and everything in my dark room. And I shot digital, too. And I noticed by the end of the year that I felt that the digital was almost as good, if not better, than some of the film. So the next year, I decided to just go all digital, 2002. And the biggest drawback was storage size. Back then, the computers didn't have near the storage, nor the cards and the cameras didn't have near the storage. You couldn't take nearly as many pictures uh, You'd have to be changing cards all the time, and then even even at that, then when you try to put it on a computer, the laptops, you got probably ten times more storage on your phone than what was in the laptops at that time, and mm. that that was a, a huge drawback. But it is all evolved now. It, it it's unbelievable. The digital, I am glad I went that way, and Cyclonews is really glad because then they were making the change over at the same time. And I could just email everything to them. Everything was email. Stories was email. Pictures were email. Everything was email. And it was so much faster. Yeah. Sounds like life got a little bit simpler. Uh, Kathy, how, how, how hard was that transition for you? I know you helped Dave a lot uh, to, with the photos and, and the stories and stuff like that. Did, the, did that transition go smooth for you? And, and, and was it hard to figure out? I've always been interested. I mean, I've always been interested in the computer. The computer was just so much easier than doing things manually. Like he said, we would have to find an airport after after a race to put the film on, you know, and send it off to, to Cycle News. So, uh, yeah, it, it it went well. I uh, uh, had worked at an office where I, I rent, ran a computer all the time, so that stuff was pretty easy for me. Um, and uh, working with AM, working with AMA when when they're like I said, I used to when we first got the computers at AMA, we did not have transponders yet, so we would do uh, the the they would manually score it, then they would bring it to me, and I would manually key it in, and um, that was. Uh, you know, and also we didn't have it. It wasn't. It didn't automatically upload. You know, so that things could be fixed if there was a protest or anything like that after the races. They had the 30 minutes to, you know, if things were if things would change. So after the races, then I would go back to the hotel room wherever where there was internet, and um, then I upload it to the web. You know, to the web page. But uh, it was all manually, which was which was good i i learned doing it manually so if ever there was a problem during the races when we had 
even when we had transponders and things, uh, if there was a glitch or somebody, you know, things, you know, you know how that is, things, things happen, <laughs> but if mm-hmm. anything would, uh, would, would be a glitch of any kind, uh, I could manually fix it. So it was pretty seamless, you know, it, it, it all just, uh, melded, you know, into, uh, one thing about it, we've always been uh, pretty go-with-the-flow kind of people <laughs> and, uh, l- you know, love to learn and always uh, want- we were always anxious for things to get better and uh, anything to make the sport better. Uh, Dave's whole life and my whole life goal as far as racing goes was to, uh, to promote the sport you know, and to do the best we could. And I, and it was just as important to me that uh, nobody was ever, none of the writers were ever screwed or anything because, like I said, it, it was always important to me. I knew it was their livelihood. So it mattered. It sure does. Everything about what you guys, you know, do and have done mattered. You started the website in 2004, Flat Track Photos. It's still active to this day. I know I can spend hours just looking up photos by different writers, and and I, I, I love your website, and it's still active today. Do you have any idea, and either one of you can answer this question, how many photos are on the website? Oh, I don't know what's on now. Actually, on the website, basically just last year's pictures. So there are the what we shot from last year. I've been working uh, while we were off here. I've I've been working on on a lot of different things. I'm really thinking about uh, going and putting old pictures on. Like right right now, I've got two little projects going on at the same time. I'm working on them. I'm. Uh, Going to, I don't know if you remember Jeff Dietz from mm-hmm. Montana. He wanted all his pictures. And, from his career. And, yeah, from his career. And uh, everything he wrote was before digital. So I've got to go through and scan all of that stuff. And I've been wanting to go, I've been wanting to digitalize all my old pictures, which I don't know if I'll live long enough to do that. But I get, <laughs> I'm getting a pretty good start on it. But at any rate, as I've been going through there right now, I'm working on 1988 in Sturgis, Sturgis half mile in 1988 on. And while the picture scanning, I'm, I'm taking things from 2011 digital and putting them onto an external drive. So I've got that. So I'm looking at 2011 on one side and I'm working in 1988 <laughs> on the other side. And, and uh, but it's, it's really, it's, it's fun. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's, I, I did take account since I knew you asked me about, how many races and all that kind of thing a lot. I we have over seven hundred and fifty thousand pictures. Seven seven so, hold on. Seven hundred and fifty thousand pictures, yes. Oh my gosh. That, I, I would love to just sit there with you guys. I could look at photos for a year and not see the same photo. That that blows I, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going through all that now and it's yeah, it's it, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I get a little tired, but uh, it, it, it is a lot of fun. We've, we've also, we've got over 1,300 races that we've shot. That's incredible. Just just incredible. I You know, what, what I like is, is a good photographer can just 
tell a story with just one photo. And, you know, my dad would always look back at all the photos, you know, like usually we'd see you at the next race or whatever. And we would look at the photos that you had. Well, he would look at tire pressure. He'd look at my body position on the motorcycle. He would look and see how far the fork tubes were down and he would analyze it as if we were racing that race again, but he would also be taking mental notes to be prepared for the next time we go to that track. So, um, just the quality of your photos allowed us to do that. And I'm sure, we're not the only ones that, that use your pictures for that sort of thing. And it reminds me of Nikki Hayden with Nick, when Nikki would come and look at the books. When, when he was still an amateur and he would come around and look at the books and he'd look at his pictures. And I'd always had a bunch of Hayden pictures. That was easy to come by. And he would look at, look at his pictures. And then he'd, he'd always say, dad'll get them, which he always did. Earl always did. But he said, dad'll <laughs> get them. And he said, I want to look at the expert book. You know, I sure go ahead, look whatever you want to. And he would go through and look at the expert book, and he was always looking to to see what everybody was doing. Ronnie Jones was one of his favorites that he had always looked to, and and Will Davis, and uh, but he always wanted to look at that stuff. And he would he would Daddy. look until he was clear through, and he would just go through the whole book. And uh, I remember when he was really small, uh, I had pictures of and. They had hand-me-down leathers, and this was the year uh, I had pictures of him down at Jacksonville, Florida, and he had uh, Jenny's. Yeah, he had Jenny's leathers handed down to him, and they had a big rose on them and everything, and they were purple, <laughs> and I, I, I thought, well, they look good, and I thought, I'm going to go ahead and show them to him. I don't know whether he's gonna, how he's going to feel about that. And it didn't bother him in the slightest. All he was interested was looking at, just like you said, just exactly his body position and, and what he was doing. And that was all he was interested in. I, he wasn't worried about he wasn't worried about what leathers he had on. <laughs> just but as long it, as he was it, going it, fast. <laughs> yeah, well, and most of the time he was. Absolutely, I re- I remember Jenny was actually fast one of the fast you know probably the fastest Hayden out there for a little while and then you know she kind of went away and went to do other things but she was a, a fast racer herself she was fast she was very fast uh she doesn't get a lot of credit for if that's because i mean nikki and tommy kind of overshadowed her eventually because she went off to play tennis but uh yes yeah, she was very fast you know you, you always think about the pictures you got but you think about the pictures you missed uh, I went to a writer's meeting down at, at Barberville one year, and uh, it was an amateur, a pro-am race, and they, they were going to run quads, and Tammy Kirk was there riding a quad, and you know how she always wore her hair braided, and uh, mm-hmm. she was there at the writer's meeting, and Jenny was there at the writer's meeting with her hair all braided exactly the same, and Jenny just stood there and looking up at at Tammy Kirk, you know, and I thought that is the perfect picture and I didn't have camera with me. Mm. So after things like that, I, I didn't go wandering all that often without camera with me because invariably you see something that you, you miss something if you don't. And, uh, I guess that was my calling was to, I, I, I've said that we, we don't make memories, but we try to keep memories. Mm-hmm. C- capture them. You capture them for us. And, and that's so cool. Uh, you mentioned earlier about your family being involved, and I, I know your son went with you in the early days. Uh, then he moved off with his family. Um, your daughter, Danielle, and her husband were involved. 
it had to have been rewarding to to have your 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 daughter and son-in-law involved in the sport that you guys love. I know they did different duties uh, for AMA Pro Racing, but that it had to have been really neat for you guys. Is that is that true, Kathy? Oh, oh, definitely. I think that's probably why we were able to continue doing it because the, the kids, um, you know, were interested in it too. Danielle loved it. She was just, you know, she loved loved it too. Uh, just got to the point where they needed to uh, they needed to settle down and buy a home, and uh, they needed to be at their jobs, and they couldn't be taking weekends off, and you know, so they had to uh, they had to stop. But which was a good good call on their part. They've they've done well since. It's a, it's such an expensive thing to do. You know, it's just really expensive to do all the traveling. Not to mention driving all night to get home, as everybody everybody in in the pits does. You know, it's the same for everybody. But um, it um, yeah, it was good that they that they came along with. Uh, Danielle was a, a great scorer. She was she really she was really good at that, and uh, she was a hard worker. And Matt really a hard worker too. He he loved it too. And uh, they uh, they they own a motorcycle and they get to go go play with it now. Uh, but uh, yeah, you never know. They uh, it's like like so many people. You get away from it. You get away from it. You know. And they've got they're so busy in their lives. You know, they've just got so much, so many other things going on. But uh, it was good. It was good that we all did it uh, and enjoyed it together. Well, I was, okay. I was fortunate. I was fortunate that I, I worked 37 years as an iron worker, and I retired in 2002. So that took a lot of the pressure off of like having to hurry up and get home, at, you know, from a race so I can go to work on Monday and things like that. So that 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 was fortunate in a lot of ways too when we when we started the company in 1982 we we started making some money after a few years of, in, in the photography and we thought at the time well we'll just establish this and 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 try to get it established and then when i retire we'll have another job and then it it uh, got going a lot faster than we anticipated and actually we started going to all the nationals in 1994 and uh, I got home from work and uh, one night and, and I came in and Kathy said that Bruce uh, Bober had called her and wanted to know if we could do all the nationals. And I thought, man, that's, I don't know. That's, you know, could be a stretch. I said, we'll try it one year and see how it works out. <laughs> and, and 2019 it ended. So I, you know, <laughs> it worked out pretty well. At one point, I know you guys had been to 449 consecutive Grand Nationals. Is that where it topped out, or or was is there more to it than that? Was it 449 consecutive? Is that is that the most you went to? Yeah. In, ended up being four, 455, counting Four. six uh, last year. Yeah, without missing that, one. Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's without missing any. I, I, that's what I was getting ready to say. You know, I I've only been announcing. Uh, for AFT for 13 years, I'm at 217, and and I can feel it. You know, I know it's 217 consecutive races. I can't imagine 455. I don't know how you two did that. Well, one step at a time. Yeah, <laughs> and the, and and it it got it it did catch up towards the end. The where uh, like when the 
probably the triggering thing for me to to quit was when my computer blew up Sunday morning at Springfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that long week, we'd been Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and getting ready to start Sunday. I'd probably worked till two or three o'clock every every night, and had all kinds of stuff done, ready, had things ready to send to Cycle News, had all kinds of things ready, and the computer went. And uh, it's not that I lost pictures, but I lost stuff that was done and ready to go. And uh, everything that was on our website, I had to redo all eventually. Not the fact I had to get the computer re- redone. And it mm-hmm. it was just it was just like I don't want to fight this anymore. And like you you were talking about technology a little earlier, I just didn't want it. We'd we'd had several different problems where just little things, but this was a big thing, and it just finally just set me off it the one thing I, I i never ever thought we would do would be to quit in the middle of the year uh i always said once we started a year that we would finish it that it would be it would be something major to make me not make it and uh, that was just it and it, it turned out to be a perfect time actually for all kinds of reasons uh, we had planned on after the race at springfield going over to the campground, working on stuff, and then staying there until we went to Pennsylvania. But uh, we were going to have to come back, get a new computer, do all kinds of things like that. And, and I did, I did, just didn't want to do it anymore, didn't want to do that anymore. And uh, we got back, and actually the next weekend, uh, I, could, I could see a shadow in my eye. And it was it was bombing. It had nothing to do with why we quit or anything, but I could see this shadow in my eye on a Friday. Saturday it got a little worse. By Sunday I couldn't see it all out of my right eye. Mm. And uh, we'd have been in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. with the motorhome trying to come home with one eye. And uh, it was a blessing that we that we didn't do that. And I fought the eye problem now for for a while and uh but everything seems to be well now and i actually picked up a camera today for the first time <laughs> since since uh springfield <laughs> awesome that that's amazing right there dave um also dave you've been published in not only cycle news cycle world american motorcyclist road racer x flat track illustrated and many others is there one article that you wrote that just stands out more than any others not really, unless it unless it was my, which was it was really a weird one. It was the first one. I'm not sure what year it was, uh, Grand National, but we were at Springfield, and Jack Mangus was the editor at Cycle News East, and Bert Shepard uh, was shooting a lot of stuff, and I was shooting some stuff for him too, and we were all over there and got rained out on the mile, and uh, Jack said he had to get back to uh, Atlanta which was Cycle News East was out of Atlanta and, and he had to get back to Atlanta. And he, he said, Dave, he said, you write the, the national and, and Bert will shoot it. And like I said, I never really considered myself a writer, uh, but given that opportunity, I said, okay. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote that story. And fortunately I wrote a lot, probably too much, but I wrote a lot because Bert's film got lost in the, shipment and didn't get out there so they had no pictures from the race all they had was my story and a file shot of ricky graham ricky wanted 
And that was that was it. I don't remember anything about the story. I don't remember <laughs> anything about the day, really. But that was the way that all happened. And then I started. And when we started going to all the nationals in 94, then Cycle News had me shooting a lot of stuff. But they had people like uh, Mitch Friedman and, and Dan Mahoney and, and Greg Newgard uh, also shoot, especially out on the West Coast thing. But once we started doing all the nationals, then they kind of started to rely on me a little more, even when uh, uh, Don Maida was covering, the, was writing the stories, and then Scott Russo after that was writing a lot of the stories. And I loved it when they were doing that because then all I had to do was shoot. And uh, I, I enjoyed that a lot more than, than having to do the writing, too. It, it It's one of those things where you think about you think about the bad things every once in a while, but it's the things that you would never change. Because it was all it was all really good. Mm-hmm. In in 2016, you two were asked by Harley the Harley Davidson Museum up in Milwaukee to provide pictures for their race day exhibit. Uh, I I was lucky enough to be in one of those pictures, and I think it's awesome just to be included. But Kathy, how how neat was it for the Harley Davidson Motor Company to reach out to you guys to use your photos for that exhibit? It was. It really was quite the honor. Uh, it, it's funny. I had. Uh, we had a meeting. We had a meeting with them uh, prior to that. They wanted to see some photos. They wanted us to do come up and and show them, you know, our stuff. And so I had never really used PowerPoint. <laughs> so I bought. We bought PowerPoint on the way up, and I'm on. I'm at. I'm physically putting stuff in PowerPoint uh, uh, on, the, on the drive to uh, Milwaukee to uh, to do the to do it and uh, so we were there having a meeting with uh, several of the Harley people and they're awesome just awesome there and uh, as we were there who walked which, which one to Davidson's I'm not sure which one <laughs> yeah was it Willie Mm-hmm. No, no, Bill Davidson. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we were there, yeah, Bill Davidson came in, uh, came into the meeting, and uh, uh, st- kind of stopped the meeting and just wanted to come in and shake Dave's hand. And he said he was a fan of Dave, mm-hmm. so that was pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, the, they they treated us really well. We had a uh, the exhibit had some family come up with us when they had the the opening. And uh, it was just, it was a big honor. It was just really cool. Yeah, it was really funny when, it was really funny when they, when they called me and first asked about that, I thought the museum, I, I really assumed that they were wanting old pictures. And I thought, my stuff's not that old. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, but I was, fortunately, fortunately, they weren't really looking for anything old. They were looking for something more current, actually. And uh, so it worked out really well. And they, they kind of gave us a list of what they were looking for. And, and uh, the PowerPoint thing that Kathy put together uh, fulfilled just about everything they wanted. And But we also, they gave us that list, and then we were able to shoot with that in mind a little bit more the rest of the year to come up with maybe something a little better and something exactly what they wanted. And that was a lot of fun. And, and yes, it was a great honor. And they, the, they gave us all the pictures afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so I've got some monster pictures hanging in the basement. <laughs> but, but well, it, uh, yeah, it, 
if there's one of those pictures that has a picture of me and and I think it was Chris Schoonover and his kids, uh, you know, I could put that on my wall if it's taking up too much room in your basement. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll look and see. I've I've got a bunch <laughs> of that stuff down there. I'll look and see if I can find it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's awesome. That's a deal. So you guys kind of walked away for a little while, came back in 2018. Kathy, you were in a different role. You're actually helping out in the tech tent. Uh, they've got all these computer gurus and geniuses up there doing the timing and scoring stuff, uh, but you still are involved in the timing and scoring because they have to send you the the information that you can post down there at the tech tent. Um, are you are you all done, Kathy? Are you coming to all the races? Are you guys coming to any races this year? Uh, well, I don't know. Um, we 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 might be done. I don't know. Uh, actually, they, they were talking to uh, Greg Newgard today uh, for a while, and they were talking about, you know, going. if we go to a race, it needs to be a race that David really loves. You know, it needs to be a race that there's, that that's fun for him to shoot. Uh, it needs to be fun again and enjoyable. Uh, we talked about, you know, we might like to do uh, – well, actually, the, the – the kindest people in the world to us are Dave and Tamara Kiso. Uh, they've always been really, really nice. We've always parked our motorhome next to them in Springfield. And um, they've always said, we're welcome. Uh, I, I don't know about, you know, uh, I don't know. I think we might, we might want to do Springfield. Uh, we were talking about maybe Lima. Uh, other than that, I don't really see us going to any other, uh, you know, AFT events. Uh, we might do some fun. Uh, we might do some Steve Nay stuff. Uh, Bert Sumner. Uh, we might do Bert Sumner. Frederick. Uh, we would love to be able to go to the 100th, you know, their 100th one. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking we might do uh, Lima and then bop on over to Frederick for, for the 4th of July. Um, but it, uh, it's, it's got to be fun. It's got to be something that, that sparks our interest again. <laughs> you know, it's got to be fun. I get it. I get it for sure. Uh, this weekend, uh, Dave, you're being inducted into the Hot Shoe Hall of Fame. Uh, I think it should have been Dave and Kathy myself. Uh, maybe Kathy will go in another time. I don't know. But are you guys going out to Las Vegas? Because that, that's happening uh, May 1st, which is this weekend. Are you guys going to make the trip out? Uh, no. I, I, it's a bummer that it's the same weekend as Atlanta because a lot of people that are being inducted are also uh, going to be at the Atlanta Super TT. So, unfortunately, I'll miss it as well. Uh, I just didn't yeah. know if you guys were going in. But I think it's awesome that they recognized you, Dave. Uh, I know I got a hold of both of you two to help me come up with my photo from my plaque. And and I'm just a, a very, very small part of the pie. But you guys have been there for so long. And when I go to a flat track race or when I used to go to the flat track race and, and I would look for you guys because it's a familiar face. So I think I think it's well-deserved and congratulations on going into that Hall of Fame, Dave. Thank you, Scott. And you too. I mean, uh, you do well, a, a valuable job. Well, thank you. Um, I also wanted to bring up that, that you two are in my first ever pit walk. My buddy that, that I do the podcast with, Chris Carter, he had this crazy idea to go walk through the pit area and I think you two might have been the one of the first few people we talked to on my first ever pit walk. So I, I I'll always have that. We'll always have that together. But uh, I just I just think it's awesome that you are part of that very, very first pit walk. Well, yeah, if it was your first, I, I didn't realize we were 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, it's time in the podcast for Graham's question. And I think we've pretty much covered her question. She kind of wanted to know why you walked away if it was due to COVID and, and stuff like that. But then she also wanted me to just let you know that she thought you guys would always be at the racetrack no matter what. Um, and that she misses you and she cannot wait to get back to the to the to the racetrack and she hopes to see you too soon well yes i hope to see her too and and uh, we would hopefully we'll be back i i, I think we'll be back somewhere this year you never know but okay. the, the the one of the things is it you just has to like kathy said it has to be fun and a lot of the pressure needs to be off of us because there was so much pressure after the races to get things done that and we didn't have time to enjoy the other people in the pit area like we used to. It was always fun to uh, after the races to just stop and 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 have fun and have conversations with people. That any at the, towards the end there, there just wasn't time for that. I just did not have time, and and that's that's not that takes all the fun out of it. I, I understand. I don't have much time either nowadays. You know, I get to the track. I try to make a lap through the pit area to see everybody. I do my job, and by the time I'm done, I'm I'm worn out. I don't get time to go talk to everybody after the races, and it's, it is hard. I mean, it's hard just to, just to leave your friends to go do other things to get ready for the next day or whatever or to get ready for your trip home. Uh, so this right. just in. This is just in. We got a new Grams question. She wants to know, <laughs> Dave, you said you picked up the camera earlier today. What did you shoot? Uh, a tree. <laughs> I found something that wasn't moving. <laughs> Love it. I really, I wanted to see if I could see through the viewfinder. Uh, okay. Because I've had all the, all the eye problems. I wasn't sure. Uh, see, I had, I not only had the dis detached retina, I also had cataracts removed out of both eyes. And uh, that means they put a new lens in. And now I can see without glasses, but I can't see close up. I can okay. see distance, but I've got to put readers on for close up. And I wasn't sure how that would work through a viewfinder, but it, it worked great, actually. So, how, that how, did feel, how did it feel to pull that trigger? Uh, been there before. <laughs> let, me tell you, there, there, let me tell you, there was a smile on his face. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, we, we wrap up the, we're actually, we, we'll wrap up in just a moment, but before we get to the, the final question about thank, thank yous and stuff like that, we got some rapid fire questions and I'll take turns with, with both of you. So Dave, what is your favorite pick that you've ever taken? Do you have one? Uh, no, I've got, I've got several, probably the picture I have, the one that comes to mind, two that come to mind is one, the picture I got of Ricky Graham at Lima where he's on the cases and the other one is, is uh, Rusty Rogers. I have several of those, but uh, one of those was from Lima also where Rusty's hanging completely off the motorcycle and still going forward. And, uh, <laughs> but there, there were so many, so many different pictures. And, and I, there for a while I said that my favorite picture was the next one I take. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's my favorite. The next tree out back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try to get a leaf that's blowing in the wind next time. Uh oh, getting some action shots. Uh, Kathy, I know you took a lot of pictures, too. I remember most of your pictures that I always saw uh, were walking through the pit area or the riders meeting. I still have a couple of those myself. Do you have a favorite picture that you've taken? Um, no, I never really felt that I could 
do as well as Dave, although I was a lot better at the, I was more um, talkative perhaps than Dave. Dave would talk to you forever if he, once he knows you, but he's kind of quiet at the beginning. And me, I could go up and talk to just about anybody. But um, no, I don't, I don't really have a favorite because I, 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 I just think of it as preserving memories. And uh, so every time I would take a picture of, I like the little kids. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the babies, <laughs> you know, and things like that. So I, yeah, I just, that was the best part about it. It's the family and each generation and now all the other generations. When I was talking to uh, Joe Kopp, uh at, at our last uh, Springfield short track and was sitting in the stands on a Thursday night when I didn't have to work and I was sitting there talking to Joe and Dee Dee and, and Cody, and uh, it was like, oh, my gosh, Code, now here comes Cody. We're going to have to take pictures of Cody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's kind of hard to walk away because there's always going to be the next great friend that's going to be throwing his leg over a motorcycle, and we need to capture that memory. Absolutely. So, Dave, what what's your favorite racetrack to take pictures at? I really like the Springfield short track is one of my favorite tracks, but uh, most of my favorite tracks are not around anymore. Like Harrington, Delaware. Uh, mm. I love to shoot Harrington. Uh, uh, the current tracks is probably Lima and as uh, a national Lima. And like I said, I, I really enjoy the Springfield short track. Most any, most any cushion. Uh, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter as long as it, uh, we were talking about, uh, Greenville, Ohio. Greenville was always a fun track to shoot. But yeah, most most any cushion track somewhere where where the wheels are not in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I don't like having to wait for a mistake to take a picture. <laughs> and so many times on on the groove tracks, that's that's what you're waiting for, and that's what you're shooting is a mistake. I mean, it mm-hmm. makes for a great picture, but it's right. not what it's not what the writer wanted to do. Uh, but you go to Lima, you go to some of these places where, where they're turning sideways as they come into the turn on purpose. That's, that's my favorite. Okay. So, Kathy, who's your favorite flat trucker of all time? Who's my favorite flat trucker? Oh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. I Actually, you know, I, I think of them all as family. I was just sitting here thinking of, uh, I really, well, you know, if I say anything, I'm going to, somebody's going to be mad at me, but uh, <laughs> I do, I really do like them all. But I, you know, at towards the end there, I was doing the tech line and I always had the single guys. They were my, they were my guys. And uh, uh, the one that I always really enjoyed because they always had a smile and everything was Morgan Mishler. <laughs> mm-hmm. was quite quite the card you know but uh everybody was you know i like sammy halbert i i like jared means i like i like briar you know i mean i like i like them all you know okay that's that's a political correct answer but i, I do like the morgan Mitchell. <laughs> that that was, a, that was a great part right there dave i'm gonna put you on the spot too Who, who's your favorite flat tracker that's easy joe leonard <laughs> all right that's a, I think that might be the first time we heard that on the podcast. I like that. Um, 
And as far they, as older racers, older <laughs> racers, I love Will. I love Will Davis. Yeah, he was one of my favorites. So. This one's for both of you. I'll go Kathy first. Who's your favorite person to go bench racing with? Or do you even go bench racing? Or do you, when you leave the racetrack, are you done talking about racing? Or. And until uh, September 6th or whatever, we never stop talking racing. <laughs> <laughs> but today, we actually sat down, Dave and I sat down and uh, talked quite a bit. And I was thinking that here we are, bench racing. But. Uh, uh, I like talking to you. You're my one of my favorites. Uh, uh, thanks, Kathy. That's amazing. I, I I love that. I love talking to you too. I love seeing you guys at the track. I miss seeing you guys at the track for sure. Uh, Dave, who who who's your favorite person to go bench racing with? Well, a lot of times it, it depends on who you'd run in at the racetrack, run into at the racetrack first, and and then you end up talking <laughs> and talking and talking. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, like Kathy said earlier about Ken Coolbeth, we seem like we'd get hooked up and talk a lot. It'd either be him or Dave Atherton, and there there would be. And Kathy would go wandering off someplace, and pretty soon she'd come back and say, "You two still talking?" So apparently, it must be one of those two. Uh, <laughs> other than other than all the miles that that we've driven together and and talked racing. I got you. I, I I would think you know between those you two. You guys could have stories about stories on top of stories with all the races you've been to, for sure. Um, I, I, I'm going to skip this next one for you, but I'll, I'll ask Dave first, who is the next first-time champion? And I don't care what class it is. Just who, who do you think is going to be the next first-time champion? Class champion? Yeah. It, no, it, yeah. I mean, number one? Yes. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> That that is really, really hard. I uh, just about have to be a singles rider, I think, and uh, for a first time. Uh, wow, I I don't know. I I there the the singles class has a lot of up and coming riders, but nobody is really. Nobody has really come out yet and showed the consistency to to be there. Um, other than, of course, Dallas Daniels has, has won that now. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say maybe Dallas in the in the production twins class whenever he can ride them all. Okay. Uh, because uh, he probably has the best package of equipment and and uh, abilities right now, but. Yeah, for to be a first-time champion, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of first-time winners, uh, individual mm-hmm. winners, especially in the singles class. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's a small pool right now <laughs> in the other two classes. Yep, my absolutely. Hope, my hope would my hope would be Cody Cox. There you yeah. go. That would be my hope. No, I think Cody has potential. Cody has definitely has potential to win one uh, relatively soon. But as far as an overall title, that's 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 a tough that's, that's that's a a tough, tough class. That's a tough tough class. Yeah, hey, you got to show a lot of consistency. 
Absolutely. That is a tough class. It's it's definitely some of the best racing. There's so many guys and a girl that can win each weekend. It's it's definitely gonna be hard for a new champion in that class. I think I think Mikey Rush is due. Um mm-hmm. I know he's one of the older guys, but I think he's due to win a championship in that class. But it's it's I mean, you've got so many people you have to beat every weekend and you have to be so consistent. Uh the last question I have for both of you two. Uh, Kathy, I'll start with you first. And we borrow this question from Dave Despain. What are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Hmm. I just think I'm proud that uh, I always tried to do the best I could for the writers. That I felt that everything I did was for, for the writers. I think that's what I'm most proud of. Love that. Love that answer. Dave, what are you most proud of? Well, I I think the fact that we that we helped hopefully helped promote the sport and make the sport visible to people and and helped people with their memories. And that that uh and and now since we've been since we've been off and, and we've had three or four different people that, uh, well, maybe more than that, that have, that have wanted their pictures from back, that we've been able to provide that. And we've been able to, to help uh, people with their memories. And, and that, and that's uh, hopefully that we've always, hopefully that we've just always uh, been fair with people and, and tried to be, and tried to be honest and fair with people and everything we've done. I would agree. And I, I know you guys have done that. You've made the sport more visible with, you know, with your stories, with your photos and just being there uh, and being part of the family. Uh, last thing we do here is we let you say thank you to anybody that you'd like to say thanks to. Uh, Kathy, I'll let you go first because ladies go first on that note. I have to say thank you to you, Scott, because you were always awesome to work with and to work for. Uh, I always felt my job was to take care of you <laughs> for the for the most part, and you were easy. You were never you were never nasty. You were never mean. You were never rude. You were always kind and considerate and thoughtful. I have to thank the people that I worked for. I, I really enjoyed working for Bruce Bober. I really work. I enjoyed working for Steve Moorhead. Uh, I work, you know, the different the different people I work for. Uh, I wouldn't have done it for as long as I did if I didn't feel that we were all family, and uh, that no one was ever no one was ever rude. And you know, I have to thank all the writers. <laughs> no one was ever rude. I I mean, I feel that everybody in the pits was professional, and. Um, like I said, I knew it was important. Everything was important to them, but um, we were all in it together. And so I just want to say, you know, thank you to, thank you to everybody that let me be a part of it. Well, thank you for the kind words, Kathy. You're awesome. And I know if I needed anything, you would always get it to me or get it for me. And I knew, I knew that you're on top of it. Dave, who would you like to say thanks to? Well, it, it's quite a litany, of course, but and the people at Cycle News, uh, Jack Mangus and then Gary Van Boris and then Scott Russo, people I work, 
with there, and then uh, Kit Palmer and Paul Carruthers, uh, all the people that, that kept me going at, at Cycle News, and, and, and all the photographers that that uh, showed me the way, and, the, and, and I was able to uh, emulate in, in, some, in some way, hopefully, uh, like Bert Shepard, Henry uh, um, Ray Abrams, uh, Mitch Friedman, and and, uh, and Dan Mahoney, and, and Greg Newgard, and, and and Bill Gutweiler, and and, and people that people that uh, I was able to, to look at their work and, and hopefully uh, learn learn from. I always tried to learn, and, and I I always tried anybody that would ask me a question or anything. I always tried to help them too because I think that was only it, it's only right to one person can't do it all and one person isn't going to continue to do it all. There has to be a, a flow of people. And, and, uh, and then, and then all the, the AMA and, and uh, uh, everybody at the AMA that, that helped get me credentials and, and, and give me access to shoot when and where I wanted to and, and gave me the opportunity to take the pictures that I enjoy taking and and hopefully they they work for other people. But uh, there there are so many people, and, and and I have to thank each and every writer, each and every writer that that bought pictures from us, each and every writer that that uh, answered my questions that I needed to ask after for cycle news articles and things like that. Each each one of them that that gave up their time to let me do my job. And I appreciate I appreciate every every everyone that. That, uh, that we've been involved with. It's, 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 uh, I, I think in here a week or so ago, how fortunate we were, how fortunate I've been, how fortunate I was to have Kathy that, that, that went with the races, went with the races and wanted to go to the races. It, it never would have been possible if, if we both didn't do it. It just, it, you just couldn't do it like that. And it, I've been so fortunate that all my life I've, I've gone to motorcycle races virtually my whole life. And I got to see so many people from, like I said, Joe Leonard, and it goes back beyond that, Ed Kretz, and all the way through to Briar Bauman. I got to see them all. I was fortunate enough to see them all. And uh, and uh, that's why when you ask who was your favorite rider, well, it was easy for me because Joe Leonard was my last favorite. Uh, I felt that by having a favorite, you miss out on a lot of other people. Uh, I wasn't as big a fan of, say, Gary Nixon or Bart Markle because they were riding against my man. <laughs> well, then that I didn't get the I didn't have the appreciation for their talents, which uh, is a loss. I, I hate to see people pick one rider and say that's all I'm for, because I think you should be for everybody, everybody that that goes out there. That's a great answer. I, I love that. Um, Carter, Sammy Sabedra, and myself have started this new thing called Left Out, and we're trying to we're going to try to carry on what you guys have kind of started, giving people a different look at things and carrying on uh, what you guys started. You know, a, a different outlook on our sport. Maybe images, maybe videos, but we want people that can't make it to the races to not be left out. So uh, I hope we'll, we'll do you guys some justice. I know you guys are amazing. And on a personal note, thank you guys for everything. You two are amazing people. Well, thanks Scotty. I, I really appreciate that. And I have seen some of your, your left out uh, stuff and, and I think it's great. I think that is, 
it's a wonderful thing to be doing, and it needs it's something that needs to be done, and it's bound to help the sport. Yeah, I, awesome. I love it. I've, I've seen that too, and I'm, I immediately said that is something that that that's for us. You're doing that for us. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. We do appreciate it. Thanks. Awesome. Guys. Well, thank you too for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it, and I cannot wait to see you guys at a racetrack. <laughs> Thanks, Scotty. You too. Take care. I'll tell you what, dude. I might have gotten a little choked up at the end of that one. You know why? I could tell. I could tell. Hearing them talk about like... hearing them talk about left out the way they did that uh, they got me. So because it means a ton coming from them, like with everything they've done in the community, and I didn't even know half of it before we started this interview, but with everything they've done in the community for flat trackers and for the series, to hear them talk about what we're trying to do with left out the way they did is uh i don't know if it gets better than that right now so major day it did made my week made my month so yeah good good yeah i i, I just can't believe how many races they've done in a row like yeah. i said in the podcast i've done 217 that feels like a lifetime and they're they did 533 or something like that in a row i mean that's just incredible yeah and to cover 1,300 races, I, I don't know. I'm probably near there, but not covering. I've probably been to that many races just because I started, you know, as a week old, I started going to the races. I've probably been to that many, but not to cover it as a job, not to cover it, to bring it to everybody else's attention, not to help spread the love of flat track like they have. So my hat's off to those two. Uh, they get along great. They're they're a perfect couple. Um I just, I love their story. I'm glad they got to share it here with us on the podcast. And uh, I hope Dave, his eyes continue to get better. I'm glad he picked up the camera today again for the first time in a long time. That made my day. We threw an audible, got (laughs) Graham on the phone, threw in a a second question for Graham's question. And uh, man, so good. So good. This is a special one, man. I I definitely dig this one. I, I didn't even know, like, you always hear about, like, how people never knew the results from a race, right? They would have to check in cycle news. I didn't know he had such a big Dude. part in, in delivering the images and the stories that come on, that came in cycle news. Like, like he, he started, you know, what we're, what we're doing, like the, the very first news right. and, and images from track, like Dave Honig. Well, I, I would remember after the checkered flag flew, you know, people start loading up sometimes. Well, a lot of times back then the fans would just bombard the pit area to get a, get a shirt, get an autograph, get a program signed or whatever. And then you'd see Dave there, you know, either writing stuff down or recording stuff with a tape recorder. And then he would have to rewrite that at night and then find an airplane to send that to cycle news, wherever it was, California or wherever, just so it could get published for the next week. And I was I was not kidding when I I remember as a kid waiting for the mailman on I, I think it was Monday or Tuesday uh, it was the but it was a week later than the the event but I'd want to see how you know my friends did or who won what you know Hagerstown or who mm-hmm. won what race and and I know I'm not the only one I know other people waited and waited for the mailman just to show up and if it was a day late it was like the end of the world <laughs> or heaven forbid. The cover was ripped. You didn't get to see who the cover photo was. But, you know, it's just how times change. Now everything is readily available at our fingertips. Yeah. But back then, 
he was one of the people that brought the news to us, yeah. you know? No, that's that's so cool, man, and such an inspiration uh, to hear that story. And, and Kathy, too. I didn't know all the stuff that she did with the scoring stuff and, and helping them build that. Like, I, I mean, where would we... I mean, there were a lot of people involved in that stuff, but I, I got to believe that we wouldn't be as far along as we are if those two hadn't come along and fallen in love with Flat Track. And, and what she was saying, you know, she always looked out for the writers because that's how they make their livelihood. Yep. That just hits home because, yep. you know, if, if there's a scoring error, that could be the difference in somebody going to the next race the next week or, you know, yep. or not getting paid that week or whatever, you know, and, and she would do whatever to make sure things were right. She always, always, always had all my stuff. You know, if it wasn't already on, you know, where I'm sitting or where I'm stationed, all I have to do is go over there. She'd already have it ready for me. And, uh, you know, she's on top of it. She's, she's very sharp. She's very fast. And, and I appreciate everything she did for me. And I definitely miss her at the racetrack every, every week, every grand national for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, they talked about all the photos they have over 750,000 <laughs> photos. Like yeah. I just pictured myself like sitting in that room, looking through those photos for days and like never getting tired. Like, I don't know, man, the stories these two have, like we could probably call them every week and talk to them for an hour and still never yeah. scratch the surface. Yeah. And, and just, you know, picture not a wagon, but like a, 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 an arm behind Dave and Kathy walking with a, a milk crate. It started as a small milk crate, got to a bigger milk crate on wheels and we would look for them, you know, and they'd open them up and eight by if, you know, to have somebody show you an eight by ten photo of you from the week before or two weeks before or the last race or whatever, man, it's so cool. And I would buy every every one that they had of me. I would buy or my dad would buy. You know, sometimes grandma, pa, whatever might buy them too. But you know, I've got those photos still, and yeah. it's memories of the memories that I have. Now I've got memories I can share with anybody else that comes to my house or whatever. And and you, you just you can't. I don't know. I can't put it into words, but it's so cool, you know? Yeah. And I'm just picturing Dave, like he talked about, he's, he's going, has a couple of projects just going through all these photos, right? Like I look back at old photos of me, like I can't imagine going through all those photos, like how many memories this guy's reliving. Right. And, right. and to be doing like something in the, in the modern day and then looking back in the 1980s, like you said, like, yeah, I, I just want to be a fly on the wall while he's going through those photos. Cause there's so much there. Like I, each picture tells a story, but he probably has a story behind taking that picture or what led right. to that picture or what happened after that picture. Like, ah, just, right. I want, I want, I want to have a Dave Honig podcast now. Um, no, I got to <laughs> slow down. I got to slow down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to sleep sometime. <laughs> so, so I was, I was serious. You know, my dad analyzes pictures and yeah. it's not just pictures of me, but he'll analyze pictures, current pictures, you know, and he'll look and say, uh, well, that guy's sitting too far back on the seat or or that guy's got too low air pressure or whatever. And and we'd, we'd analyze things. And, yeah. and just by watching and looking at other people's pictures of what they were doing helped us figure out what we would try, you know, things we would try to do to set up the bike different or for me to ride differently or whatever. So, you know, a picture has so many uses and it's not just a picture. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking. I've got I think I have four or five of their pictures on my wall just in the room. And rooms I can see right now. That's how much they mean to me. Uh, and, you know, I, I bought every picture of them. I, I reached out to them for my Hall of Fame picture. They made a special picture of me that has me announcing partly and has me racing. And it took them hours to find that. They won't let me pay them. Huh. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, come on. 
you know, but yeah, and you're that's just one, how awesome they are. You're just one rider. Every rider probably has four or five pictures of theirs on their wall. Like the, the, the memories, you know, not just that they made for themselves, but that they made for everybody in the community. Uh, we'll live yep. forever. Uh, for, and that's just, that's just really cool. Um, so yeah, yep. super stoked that they gave us the time. Uh, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you so much, Kathy. I know I speak for everybody in the community. Uh, when, when I say thank you for what you've done, uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you for who you are. And if anybody needs any photos, they can go back and they've got old photos. They've got current photos. Uh, you can tell me if you want a number, a rider number. You can, I mean, they can look them up so many different ways before they had digital. They've got the old ones back there. So uh, flat track photos, it's spelled differently. You can Google them. I'm sure they've got other ways to find it, but flattrackphotos.com is their website. And we appreciate them coming out on the podcast. Carter, Get your butt in your Jeep. Drive to Atlanta. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, yeah. All right. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I want to, I, but don't tempt me. <laughs> don't tempt me. All right. Uh, what All else? Right. What else? What are you, you going to Atlanta? That's it. Going okay. to Atlanta. I might go to Sonoya Friday night, but I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to talk myself into it or out of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Atlanta, I can't wait to get there. I'm, I'm, I'll be there early Friday morning. Uh, they've got practice day. We have a new producer. We've got a few things we're going to try to knock out on Friday Okay. Uh, for the AFT show. Uh, just to try to get ahead of the ball game so we have more content. Love it. I looked at, I looked at the schedule. We go live at 4.30 in the afternoon. We're supposed to be done at 10, so that's a long time to be on the air. So we're trying to fill that mm-hmm. time with it. relatable news, relatable content, and stop running commercials over and over. I mean, that's, anyways. That's fantastic. That's good stuff. Uh, look forward to seeing that. And do me a favor. Grab Travis Pastrana and tell him we yeah. want to interview him after because I want to I talk to him after. The before is like, All right. whatever. I want to hear what the hell he's got to say after that TT event. All right. And and we'll figure out who wins the dollar. There's a dollar bet between him and Sipes. That's why he's racing. You know that, right? Sipes is going to win the dollar. I'm just saying. I'm calling that. Sipes might win the whole main event. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not going to beat Sipes. That's but, the bet, right? Sipes, Sipes, yes. But Sipes is injured. He got injured at the, at the Atlanta Supercross. An injured Sipes would still beat Travis Pastrana. On flat track. Yeah. I, that, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Dude, Sipes to me is modern day Mr. Motorcycle. Yeah. That guy can ride anything. He's so impressive. And you know what? He's so down to earth. He's the nicest guy. And dude, did you see what he's doing this weekend? Hold on. I, I, just, no. got, I just remember what he's doing. He's after he wins the Atlanta Super TT. He's driving like 10 hours to Indiana for a GNCC, Grand Get National Cross Country. Out of here. And, and that's on Sunday. And then he's going some kind of pit bike national something or other on Monday. That's in another state. Injured. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's his injury? I don't even know what his injury is. I don't know. He went down pretty hard. Uh, like it was, it was, it was, it looked oh, like a ski jump at I the Atlanta Cross. And he threw it down like 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 it looked like he's almost trying to scrub speed, but then he threw it down. But then it cartwheeled down that down that ski jump or whatever. That is, it was a jump to try to get him to slow down that one particular spot or whatever. Yeah. But something happened. He doesn't even know what happened. And but he's he's a little beat up from that. But uh, no, he, he to me he can still win the singles class. Yeah. 
No, I'm with you. It'll be fun to watch, regardless. Uh, that Atlanta Supercross three race res- uh, residency was eating riders alive. Yeah. Dude, McAdoo. Poor, poor McAdoo. He crashed three times just in the final one alone. He made the he made the highlight reel all three rounds. Yeah, not the way he wanted to, but he made it. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yep. Good stuff, man. Anything else? Right on. That's all I got. Hey, want you keep it on four wheels. The rest of you guys keep it on two wheels, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.